to C3 Church Hepburn Heights. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. We are in part two of a two-part series and this has uh, been kind of rounding out uh, for those who call this church home. You know, I've just had a, a wonderful long service leave back uh, away and I'm a couple of weeks back and so this is rounded out 10 years as a pastor and so this is 10 discoveries in one decade and I think across this journey there's been 10 discoveries every day in this never-ending growth curve uh, but we have have some thoughts to share that that will be helpful if you missed last week here are the five points and if they sound good to you you can check out the podcast you can jump on the app and the message is there point number one grueling is good grueling is good. Number two, maximize your upside and quarantine your downside. Number three, your influence is larger than you think. Number four, sin is so, 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 so selfish. You can choose how many so's you put in there. Uh, sin is so selfish. Number five, we all need grace. Here we go. Number six, I'll tell you what it is shortly, but first, do you, do you read online reviews? If you're going to make a big or a decent purchase, who checks out the reviews online first? Well, that's quite a, quite a few of us. I, I'd never done it at this depth before. Uh, in long service leave, our washing machine broke. It stopped working like it should, and it should cl clean clothes. It, it was kind of doing that, but it was adding shards of plastic into the, into the mix, it was, uh, and, and the, 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 the noise was extraordinary. And so I knew something was wrong. And, and uh, after multiple, uh, what shall we call it, uh, moments of reminding from my wife, I decided, okay, I'm going to see if I can fix this thing. So I remember I'm a carpenter. So I get my drop saw and a couple of chisels and here we go. And so we, we hack our way in. And I'm having a look, and the kids walk past, and so when they walk past, of course, you're like, hmm, yes, hmm, yeah, okay, I see. Pretend, I've got no idea what I'm looking at. I'm just hoping something is visible that's broken and nothing is, and so I have to call a guy to come out, and so he comes out, and, and he literally, he, he walks in, and he looks at the machine and does this, and goes, yeah, it's stuffed, <laughs> with probably more colourful language, and uh, he's like, yeah, this, 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 and this, and, and there are these three arm things that, that hold it together. Two of them are snapped, and so it'll be about $600 to fix. It, it, it's a nice moment, uh, and okay, so I'm going to have to do something about this, and, and I'm like, it's about 600 bucks to buy a new machine kind of right, somewhere around there, and he's like, yeah, so, so obviously I'm not going to get it fixed, and the, the best thing was, is he was there for a couple of minutes, and then as he's leaving, he goes, oh yeah, and that'll be $100. How do I get that job? That's, uh, you just rock up, yeah, your life is screwed, 100 bucks, thank you. Uh, uh, pastor, no, uh, it was, so then I, I went searching, okay, we need a new machine, what are we going to do? I'm reading all the reviews. 
I know so much about washing machines now. I'm starting a blog. It's going to be extraordinary. So I'm researching all the washing machines, and it's amazing as you read what people have written about these machines. And one person says something about this brand, this machine. Glorious, wonderful, perfect, meets my expectations. One person is, this is worse than dog vomit. It's, if you buy this machine, it's going to ruin your life. And, and same machine. It's important for us to realize there are always two sides to every story. Always two sides to every story. We need to remember this. And in one of the reviews that I was reading as a guy, and it was a machine that we were going to buy, and so I read a bundle of reviews, and then I got to this one, and it it put me off. Because he said, the machine, when it does the spin cycle, it's spinning so fast, and it it like... it moves across the floor and for over a meter, he's like, it wobbles out of the little area that we've got for it and it it just, and so I don't want that machine. So I I didn't buy that machine based on that advice. Remember, there are always two sides to every story I researched and um, I was pretty happy with our choice. It arrives, I unpack it, I see the instructions and do what any normal guy would do, put them to the side because I know what I'm doing. And I plug everything in. I kind of had a flick through and we're good, so plug everything in. And now you do the test load, so you get some things that just in case something goes wrong, it's not a big deal. So you put Levi's clothes in there because he's just going to kill them anyway. And, and so then you, you just you start it and it starts and just whew, the water goes in. It's beautiful. And then it starts moving and it sounds so smooth. It was just like velvet and just, wow, the technology has improved so much. And I don't know, seven years old, our thing was not that old. And then it gets to the spin cycle and it starts spinning. And it just works itself up. And then my washing machine starts dancing. And, and it's jiggling. And literally, it, it, it finds its way out of the cabinet that I built for it to sit in. It looks so wonderful in that space. And it was walking. Out. It literally came out a meter until all, all of the hoses were so taut they were about to snap. And I, I was very not happy. I didn't see this in any of the reviews. And, and so what, what do you do? You, you go... Maybe there's something in the manual. Uh, so, I, so I get the manual out and I'm reading it, feeling masculated. I, I then read through this page that I, I wasn't expecting to be in there. And it said, inside this washing machine, there are four transit bolts, four packing bolts that, that go right through your machine. And if you do not remove them before washing... It can cause permanent irreparable damage to... Yeah, this is big caution. Other than the cautions about you could die if you do this. And there were so many death cautions. And if you climb in the machine, turn it on, you could die. It's mm, surprise. And so in this moment, as I read about these bolts, I, I had a conversation with the Lord. Please. Please don't let me have killed it. Uh, I just used it for half an hour. I'm going to have to tell my wife. Uh, And uh, thankfully I got the bolts out. It was fine. There's always two sides to every story. I could have been like that guy who posted the review about that other machine. I bet he never took those four bolts out. Or he said it was balanced, but it wasn't leveled. and, And 
all of that. And so I could have hastily gone online and posted this review. This machine is a load of rubbish. It danced across the floor like it... it no, it was... It's, my fault and someone could have read that we have to continually remember there are always two sides to every story sometimes I've, I've talked to a husband who's been telling me something about their wife and I'm like whoa she is nasty I'm thinking it in my head I don't say it out loud uh, and then I later I talk to the wife about the husband I'm like oh he is a serious jerk and then you you're trying to piece the dots together and maybe they're both right maybe neither are right and you have to there are always two sides to every story. Something gets broken in your house and you talk to one kid about it and, and one kid tells you, and I'll just make up some names. It wasn't me. It was, it was Shmalia. And, and Shmalia broke it. And you know what, Dad, when she broke it, I think she enjoyed it. And then you talk to said kid and, and she's like, yes, I, I did broke it. But I only broke it because, let's just call him Flea Fly. Uh, Flea Fly threw me on it. And you know, when he threw me, I think he, he, he enjoyed it. And you have, there are always two sides to every story. Someone tells you that such and such said something about you or about them or that. There are always two sides to every story story. You get ticked off with someone or something because of what they did or didn't do or what you saw or, or didn't see. We need to continually remember there are always two sides to every story. Maybe they have a reason you, you just don't understand right now. Maybe there's more to the picture than you imagine. Maybe you came in on the back end of a conversation and missed the context. That what, Maybe there could be a million whatevers. We need to remember that there are always Two sides to every story. I think every week of my life, I'm tempted to forget this and jump in prematurely and make a quick decision prematurely or make a judgment prematurely. There are always two sides to every story. It's, it's important for us to act biblically in this regard. And let me give, you, give us two pieces of advice here tonight. Firstly, Colossians 3, 12 to 14 as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothe yourselves. Make the intentional choice like we do when we put clothing on. Well done for making that choice tonight. You, we have to make the intentional choice to clothe ourselves Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Over all of these virtues, put on love. Put it on. Choose to place it on because it binds them all together in perfect unity. And before we contact that person, before we react in some negative way, before we send up a, an email or a reply to a Facebook feed, before we do anything of whatever, let us first put on love. This is our primary mandate, to put on love. This is the mandate of Christ that supersedes all others. Put on love. We are called first to love. And so as we put on love and then we let that permeate and 
We allow him to soften from, you know, you can be just worked up in that. I can't believe. Put on love first. And do I really need to address this or do I just need to let it go? Is this actually a, an opportunity that's God, that God is using to do something in me? And it's not actually about them. And yeah, maybe they have been out of line. Maybe they haven't. But is, is God wanting me to grow through this? And is that the most important thing here? Not me doing the pointing my finger kind of thing. And we have to stop and slow down to have a moment where we could actually assess that. Put on love first. And secondly, if we need to address this, to have a conversation with someone, two passages of Scripture give us some insight here, Matthew 5 and Matthew 18, from Matthew 5, 23 to 25. If you're offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them and then come back and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary. Matthew 18, 15 to 17, and, and the context here is addressing sin in the church, but there is a principle here for conflict resolution. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out the fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along with you so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, then treat them like you would a pagan. And here we have some, some advice from the Word of God for us, how to deal with situations where we need to then have a difficult conversation with someone over a conflict or a hurt. Number one, do it quickly. Don't harbor the feeling for five years and let the poison fuse through into your world and then leak out to those around you. Do it quickly. Leave your gift on the altar. If, if something comes to your mind and, and go and be reconciled to that person, go and try and make peace the best we can. Again, closed in love and then enter it like that. Number two is do this face to face. Do it face-to-face, one-on-one, it says here. And, and an email or an SMS is not an appropriate way to let someone know of your great offense. At times, a, a phone call may be appropriate because of distance or whatever. And at least with a phone call, you can hear tone. You can convey tone, not like you can in those written forms of communication. And so much better face-to-face. But that's tricky. That's challenging. And it's a lot easier to send off a a little cowardly message using some of these other forms where, where we're not face-to-face. It's very different to have to look someone in the eye and actually then unpack in detail what has been happening. And if it's worthwhile, let's do it right. Let's do it right. Number three is, is I've already mentioned, this should be one-on-one. One-on-one, unless there is a particular need and certain reasons for a support person or for someone to be there for safety reasons. Otherwise, this should be one-on-one. And can I encourage us again to start with questions? To start with questions, never start with accusations. Start with questions. Hey, I, I noticed this. I was hoping you can shed some light on it for me. Hey, I, I heard that you had said this. I really wanted to hear it from you. Using I statements about how I feel and not you statements that are blaming or accusing. This is relationship 101. 
spelt out for us continually in the Word of God. And then, and then fourthly, if, if it needs to escalate, then again, we see this, this pattern here for getting others to come in and help. We start with a one-on-one context and we, we bring others in and remember, there are always two sides to every story. And with this, first and most important dynamic is let us choose to put on love. Number seven, we are so extraordinary and so broken. As human beings, we are so extraordinary and so broken. And for a large chunk of my life, I've been working with people 10 years in a pastoral capacity here and and working in high schools before that and five years as a high school chaplain. And in my chaplaincy time, there was over 3,000 pastoral counseling appointments with students or their families. And I've seen a lot of humanity. And I have been amazed at how extraordinary we are. And I've been amazed at how broken we are. I have had the, the privilege, as so many of us have, of seeing some truly... Normal people like you and I do some truly extraordinary things. Acts of love that go over and above. Where there is a level of self-sacrifice that is extraordinary and truly Christ-like. And so many of you here have been an inspiration to me and so many others for so many years as you have lived out that life. And, and it is glorious to see as we let that extraordinary DNA that he has placed inside of us as we let it loose for his glory. But I've also at times been gobsmacked by our depravity and by really good people doing really horrible things. And I think all of us always have a little bit of both. That we are in these jars of clay His vessels that are inherently broken, but that we have a glorious Savior who's continually, if we allow Him, having us on this journey of becoming more and more like Him. And and we are so extraordinary and we are so broken. And can I encourage us, despite the complexities of humanity, can we still be champions of humanity, of people, of relationships? and not getting stuck on a downer that, that it's just, it's useless believing in people. And that we, we cannot assume that position. God hasn't gone to that place. That's why we are here to shine as light into this world. That there is hope for humanity. That Jesus Christ is the ultimate hope for humanity. And so can we be champions of people? Can we be champions of the local church? In all of its forms and complexity. Not looking at what we don't like about that model or that style or that way of doing things. But, but champions of the glorious church. And, and the church is filled with complexity and filled with people who are glorious and broken. We, we cannot expect a level of perfection in the church that we can't live in our own lives. But to choose to be champions of that church down the road there and that one over there and that one that's really loud and that one that's really quiet, that one that prays this way, that one that prays this way. If Jesus Christ is in the center, come on, let's be champions of the local church, champions of people. Number eight, 
I did a message in 2011 called Scopos, and I looked back and read the notes and went, well, that was actually all right. <laughs> Scopos, and here we find that word in, in Philippians 3, 12 to 14. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which Christ has called me heavenward. And there is this sense in this, this word here, goal, I press on towards the goal. This is from the Greek word skopos, the word that we get scope like you would have on a rifle that allows you to have a clear target, a clear idea of what you are aiming for. And God has created us to have this inbuilt need to aim for something so that we can move towards it, that we could have a purpose that could then trigger passion. The, the most passionless people on the planet are the ones who are the, have the least purpose in their life. The more and more purposeful we get and purposeful around something with meaning, something with a, a God strand through it, then passion is awakened in us in the most extraordinary ways. And it looks different according to your personality, but he's wired us to have something to be aiming for, something to move towards. So this scopos is a goal, a mark, something to be focused with that we can fix the eye on, a point for vision to lock onto. Hebrews 12, I throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and I run with perseverance the race marked out for me. My race, what is your race? What does that race look like? How are you running that race? Do you know where you are running when you get up in the morning to take off on that race? Faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. Again, over and over again in Scripture, we see this need for us to have something to focus our eyes on, that Christ created me for a purpose. And I'm going to align my life with that purpose. I, I don't think it's ever been easier to do life with so much action and so little intention because there are so many things vying for our attention. And so this is important for us to consider these things. And so point number eight, vision isn't an optional extra. Vision isn't an optional extra. It's not something for those visionaries to have, for those people who see in that space. Vision is for all of us. It's not an optional extra. Earlier this year, a couple of months ago, we had the joy of visiting C3 in northeast Portland with Seth and Karen Brooks. Many of you, if you've been with us for a while, will remember Seth and Kaz, they led our youth ministry for, for a number of years and, and wonderful people. They, they felt a call to the States and so we released them and blessed them on their way and, and that's now morphed into a, a church plant that's a year old in northeast Portland and they're, they're reaching some people in, in great need over there. We were there for their first year anniversary and so we celebrated uh, with them all that, that God is doing and, and I met some of the leaders on their team and I met a guy called Aaron. Aaron was in the military, and he's uh, just a, a really good guy. He's doing really well in life, and, and he shoots pistols at a competition level. He's just got all of these pistols all lined up, and, and uh, I find that kind of exciting. Uh, sorry if that offends you. Uh, and so I, I took a leaf out of Jesus' book when he talks to Zacchaeus and and. You see, Jesus sees Zacchaeus in the tree, 
and he's up in the tree and he says, Zacchaeus, come, come down from the tree because I, I need to have dinner at your place. And Jesus just full on invites himself to dinner. There's no choice in the matter. It's, dude, your place, dinner. And so I kind of did the same here with Aaron. I'm like, hey, mate, come over here. And we got to know each other. I'm like, awesome. You need to take me shooting. And so off we go to the pistol range in there with the eight-year-old girl and her dad who's teaching her how to shoot so one day she can have a concealed weapon license. It, just, it blows your mind. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not advocating any of that stuff. In the gun range, it was fun. Okay, so uh, that's, that's where we were, safe in a gun range. I can just see some of you frowning, so stop. It's, uh, it's all good. No political statements here. So what's important when you're on a gun range? If you, you pick up that pistol, it's important where you point it. And there's someone managing the range who is ready to tackle you, possibly even shoot you, if you point that thing in the wrong direction. You're pointing that thing down range towards where the target is. It's safe when you point it in the right direction. And, and so I got to use many of his pistols there, and, and he's got this fully customized Glock 17 and 9mm, and it's just, it was, it's quite nice. And so we, we moved from the big target onto the smaller target. So I don't know if you can see the holes uh, in there, but this was, this was probably from about 1,000 a, a metres, I think. Uh, uh, it's just, uh, just amazing, uh, maybe 10, 10 metres or something like that. And this is a decent grouping. Uh, and uh, so there's probably 12 shots on there, and uh, three of them went somewhere else, but they were really close, really close. You can, one just nicked the bottom, that's okay. And it's important. If I want to hit the card, it's important that I aim at it. It's pretty commonsensical, right? And if I'm not aiming at the target, I got Buckley's chance of hitting it. And so the question comes to all of us, where are we aiming our lives? It's a, it's a simple but profound. It's a, it's a difficult but commonsensical question is, where, where, where are you aiming your energy and effort in your marriage? Is there a goal for your marriage? What about with our kids? When we see them grow and have hopes for their future, is there a clear goal, a point of vision that shapes the way we talk to them, pray for them, the things we say yes and the things we say no to? Is there a vision there? What about the the career that you're in or you hope to be in or that course of study, your connection with the house of God? What about the passions that are alive within, the gifts that he's placed within? Is there, is there a scopos? Is there a target? Is there a, a clear vision that can awaken passion on the inside where you can be motivated and energized to, to run towards that for which he has taken a hold of you? Vision isn't an optional extra. And, and now I know this is... This is a frenetic time of the year, and, and so I'm not going to go hardcore into this point any further. What I do want to do is have faith awakened afresh in your heart as we step into 2019 shortly. I want there to be a clear resonance in the heart of our church that together in 2019, we're going to lock on afresh 
to what He has for us in our individual lives, our family lives, our, the corporate setting as we come together collectively, that there would be faith, there would be a clear vision that I know what I'm on this planet for and I am moving in that direction. That is where we're born to live, but it's so easy to lose sight of it. It matters where we're aiming, so get ready with me for 2019. And there's a few things we're going to do to help us in that, and you'll hear some messages through, through January, February, March as we begin to move a little more in this direction. And we're, we're kicking back into, we're having a 24-hour prayer meeting, compulsory. <laughs> we're in Australia, Jace. No, not at all. From the 8th to the 9th of March, and we did this a few years ago. It was extraordinary. I actually went home after, I think, like a 12-hour stretch, and I lay in bed at whatever it was, early hours of the morning, and I couldn't sleep. I'm like, I just have to get back. And that's not because I felt I needed to lead it, but I was just having such a good time. And we had a few people who stayed the whole time. They kind of crashed on the floor and snore in the middle of the 4 a.m. Say, whatever, I don't care. Sometimes we just need a break from the normal grind, the churn that we're in, and give God space to speak. And maybe you feel like there's a lot of activity in your world and, and there's not enough clarity of focus, of clear vision in the things that are most important in our life. And so this is just one of the tools and so many more that we'll, we'll talk about that can, that can help us really connect with Him and make space for Him to continue to speak. Vision isn't an optional extra. Number nine. Can we hear His call to prayer again? Let's hear His call to prayer again. Prayer honors God Prayer is our mandate. Prayer is heaven's oxygen and humanity's lungs. Prayer is a conversation and an encounter. Prayer is powerful and effective. Prayer shapes us. Prayer invites God's involvement. Prayer activates Christ's victory. Prayer is a glorious mystery and a potent reality. Prayer is work and toil, and prayer is fuel and life. Prayer is peaceful adoration, and prayer is assertive supplication. Can we hear his call to prayer? Right now, I just want to invite you to stand if, if you're here tonight and you have a, a clear something in your heart that you want to bring before God. Maybe it's a point of vision and you have a, a business dream. Uh, you're in a a place in your career or something and you want to bring it before God and, and get some more thrust into that space or you're just not sure and you've got a big decision or you're, you're here and so you can just stand if this applies to you at, at any, any time. Maybe you're here and you just, you're feeling exhausted right now and it's been a, a frenetic run and you just need something. Maybe you just want to say, God, I, uh, this is kind of resonating for me, and, and I'm standing with faith in my heart to engage with this. And come on, just stand where you are. Don't be scared. Don't be shy. If it's you, just go ahead and stand. It's not necessarily for everyone, but if you, if you want to stand, then, then go ahead. And I want you to, and just continue to stand at any point if you, you feel you want to join, join these people. And just once you're standing, would you... Just focus on Him. Focus on Him. This isn't a, a 
if you're new to church, this is not a moment of, of some magic. It's a moment of opening up to the creator of all things. To give him permission afresh. So I just want you to lift your need before him right now. Just, just here it is, God. Maybe it's a health need and you're like, God, maybe you've brought it to him so many times before. Just God, here it is again. I'm choosing to trust you. If there's that dream in your heart, God, I surrender this dream to you. Open up for your leading and your guidance. Well, God, I'm just so tired. I, I hear this talk of passionately pursuing stuff and I, I'm just struggling to get out of bed at the moment. All in different places, but just go ahead and just release it to Him right now. Come on, focus on Him. Lord, we need You. God, we need You. And Lord, as we pray together tonight, those who are seated, if you'd just like to pray for those who are standing, just in your heart and your, in your mind, just lift your faith for them. As we come to You, God, we do so on the victory of Jesus Christ. Lord, we don't come before You on our own merits, on our own ability. We, we surrender, we bow our knee afresh to You. We submit, we surrender to Your Lordship. And God, we invite You into that deeper space again. God, we let You in. We let You into our heart and our mind. God, to push out whatever You don't want there, anything old and stale, anything that would erode faith that You want to grow and be alive in that space. Lord, and so we do. We make a choice right now to engage with You. We let that mustard seed of faith be alive in Your presence. And so Lord, I thank You for Your victory at work in these wonderful lives. Lord, where peace is needed, let peace fall like a blanket from heaven. God, where answers are being sought, Lord, I pray there would be that continued dedication to make space for You to speak. And God, I thank You that You have the answer, that You will guide the steps in Jesus' mighty name. Thank You, God. Thank You, God. Lord, I thank You that You're with us on the mountaintop and You're with us in the valley. Lord, I thank you that as every person stands, they, they are making this decision that God, my, my love for you isn't based upon the outcome of this circumstance. It's far deeper than that. You're far bigger and greater. And Lord, we choose to have a place of trust, faith that you are in control, that you have got it sorted, that you are walking with us in every season. But God, again, we come before you and we ask for help in these particular areas. And just let, just where you stand, let that be alive in your heart, your mind, your mouth right now. God, I thank you for your help for me. Right in this very space that I need you. Give you permission to move, to speak, to act, to guide, to prompt. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Your victory.
be seen afresh for your glory, O God. Thanks so much for joining us here on our podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more about our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, go to c3hh.com.au.